Welcome into another edition of Ask the Experts. Thanks so much for joining us on your calendar. And with me again, uh, back with us from homeshack.com and Remax Twin City Realty, it's Canada's top real estate agent, Faisal Susie Walla. Hi, Faisal. How are you doing? Fine, thanks, Dave. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. And uh, glad to have you on the show once again. And uh, on the show today, we're going to be talking about, uh, well, of course, we'll do a market update like we normally do, but we'll be talking about what young people should be doing to get into the real estate market and the different factors affecting them. And a little later on in the hour, we'll be uh, discussing more in depth some of the chapters from Faisal's book, which I now have a copy of. Uh, thank you very much, Faisal, for that. You're welcome. Uh, and if you are looking for the book again, we always tell you it's on Amazon. And all you have to do is look for The Real Deal, Billion Dollar Real Estate Broker. You can get it in a hardcover. Or you can get it as an audio book as well. So let's uh, let's kick things off as we usually do by getting that fall market update. What's been going on? It has been a crazy ride. Well, most of this year, and just uh, you know, I, I must admit that I was wrong. I thought that the fall market would type of taper off a little bit, and we would see a little bit of softening in the valuations and uh, decline in the number of offers that we're going to see coming to the table. In September, we saw a little bit of that happening, just with you know people going back to school and settling in, it just didn't seem like there was going to be that momentum in the market to drive these multiple offers that were continuing to come in. And we saw that happen right up until about mid-October. But then it's as if the uh, lights went back on and all of a sudden, 10, 12, 15 offers coming in on a property. Uh, I was involved in a multiple offer just uh, last night where there were 29 offers on this property. And the valuations have just completely gone through the roof and continued to increase significantly over what was even imagined would happen this fall coming into the winter. I expected that next year in the spring, we would see this type of uptick in the market, but we're seeing it right now. A lot of that could be as a result of people wanting to get ahead of the spring market and secure a position in their home. Uh, first time home buyers have been trying to enter the market, but mostly people that are still moving in from uh, the East, uh, GTA, Milton, Mississauga, Brampton, Oakville, Burlington, we remain a very, very hot spot for that region. And we're continuing to see the appreciation as a result of that influx of people wanting to move in before Christmas at this point. Uh, not that I've been driving around a lot of the last two years, but actually I did get out this past weekend and I've been seeing I do see new developments springing up, but I also see a lot of them already have a sold out sticker on them. Uh, where are we with inventory, Faisal? Inventory is still at an all time low. New development that you're seeing right now when you're driving around, those homes were sold up to two years ago and they're only now being completed. A lot of that is due to uh, COVID and lack of materials and supply and labor and shutdowns. So everything that you're seeing that is in the ground right now, they, that does not reflect new sales. And we've talked about this in the past where that will be the catalyst to resolve this issue of housing shortage is getting more homes in the ground, getting more permits, getting more development, where the municipalities will start 
allowing this development to come into play, expedite the approval process so the red tape is cut back and more development can occur, zoning can be changed. We talked about tiny homes uh, being allowed to be uh, put into backyards. All of that will help mitigate the problem that we're having right now. But right now, anything we're seeing, it's not new sales. This is just leftover stuff that's being uh, finally finished off. Is the tiny home movement starting to pick up? It is. Uh, I think there's going to be a learning curve there. And again, even from a municipality perspective, uh, we're still not you know, running on all engines here because we don't have uh, the approval stage as efficient as it should be. Building permits are taking long. Even getting a response is taking days, if not weeks. So I'm not quite sure what's happening at the uh, different city halls of the region, but the efficiency certainly is not there right now. All right, moving on, let's, uh, let's take a look at today's main topic, and that's about young people. And I know a lot of young people feel that uh, they're, they're never going to get into the real estate market. There's no way for them to. Uh, but what, what's your advice to, real pe to, to young people who are looking to get into the real estate market, Faisal? This is the time. There's never going to be a moment where I'm going to say, just hold off or just wait. If you look at the trend historically, we've never looked back five years and said, oh, I'm glad I didn't buy then, or I'm glad I sold everything I owned five years ago because I would be worse off today if I hadn't. So my advice to young people is focus on saving, focus on uh, partnering, Focus on doing whatever you can and leveraging whatever options you have at your disposal to get into the real estate market. What may seem like it's very expensive today is going to sound like a very good deal coming into the spring and summer of next year. I don't have the crystal ball. There are many factors that affect value. I've been through three recessions throughout my career. I've seen the dips happen in the market. But what's unique about this market is the lack of inventory, the growth in population. So my advice to young people is leverage whatever you have at your disposal today to get into the market. So what are some of those things that I'm asking young people to consider? Number one, you have your savings. And if you're out there, you know, leasing high-end cars and spending lots of money on what are, there's not a lot of vacations right now, but whatever you've been spending money on that is not a necessity of life, I would suggest stop spending money on those items and start saving up. I will say that you cannot save fast enough to keep up with the appreciation that is occurring in this market. And that's very discouraging to hear. However, it still is a requirement today to have a down payment. 5% is your minimum down payment. Let's just say you don't have that money available to you. That's where parents are going to love me for this comment. There's bank of mom and dad. And I'm not asking mom and dad to give you a gift of 5% to put down. Perhaps it can be a loan. Maybe they can be a partner with you. You take 95% interest in this property in the way of debt. So you're 95% responsible for the debt and the mortgage. And mom and dad 
can invest 5% along with you to purchase a home. They now become a partner with you, but you still have the lion's share of it. And you have the ability to make the payments, perhaps not the down payment, but keep up with the payments. If you're renting, if you're living in uh, other accommodations, this would be a great option for you to get into the market. And, and, and unfortunately, the reality is moving forward, young people are going to need guidance and young people who are entering the real estate market are going to need funds uh, that only family, friends, partners are going to be able to assist them with. So that is something that's very important. And again, those of us who are unable to, um, you know, gift our kids the money, at least try to help them come up with the funds. Now, there are other options that are available. Um, there are lines of credit that mom and dad can take on their home. And let's, let's face it, in the last 12 months, there's been at least a 30% appreciation on your home value. What that enables you to do is go to the bank and get that as a line of credit, which is a home line of credit. And it's almost a situation where you've created this wealth within your home that you may be leaving behind anyways for your children or your grandchildren. So why not dip into that at this point and maybe help them out? And when, again, I'm not saying give it to them, loan it to them and allow them to get into the market before it's too late for them. If you've just joined us on the show today, we're focusing on young people getting into the real estate market and, and how they're going to be able to do that. I know for a lot of them, it has been kind of discouraging. Before the break, where you're talking about, as Faisal put it, the bank of mom and dad. Uh, but for those who uh, that, that isn't an option for, what, what are some of the other ways that you can get that down payment together? As, as a parent, I was very mindful of the fact that, and being in this business, that it's going to be difficult for my kids to enter the real estate world and start buying their own properties. And even from a first home perspective, and we have so many tools uh, that are there for, you know, later on in life when they're going to school and whatnot, there's RESPs, but that's not going to give them the start in life that real estate really can. So I suggest to parents that at a very early age, when their children are very young, perhaps purchase a property in trust for them. And this is all um, subject to talking to your accountant and your lawyer to see what the best structure would be. And the reason I'm suggesting buying a property in trust is that you're able to buy it now, pay it down, continue building appreciation on that. These are properties that if for whatever reason you decide not to hand over to your children, uh, you can now have that through retirement as rental income and have something to live off of in addition to RSPs and pensions and whatnot. And we talk a lot about, and I believe we're going to talk a little bit about building wealth and why, you know, doing these types of processes are important in building a portfolio. But buying in trust is one option. So you may not want to give your children you know, the down payment or purchase the home for them. Uh, but buying in trust also allows you to maintain some control. Look, our children may make some bad decisions. We've made bad decisions in our life. And having it in trust protects them and protects your money as well. And again, if you talk to your lawyer or accountant, the proper structure can be put in place to allow that to be transferred to them at a later date, be it through a family trust or upon your death through a will. 
So those are really good ways of, again, helping your children get into the market and also helping yourself build up your real estate portfolio. So in a situation like that, then when your children come to the age where they're ready to move into this house, what you've purchased it, you don't want to just give it to them. Do they start paying you rent or do they start making payments for you? Yeah, that's that's a great option because once they are ready to move out on their own or whatever they decide to do, even if the property is tenanted, provided that it is your family member that is moving in or you are moving into that property, uh, you can now take over that property, evict your tenant and give that property to your son or daughter to live in. And yes, pay you your rent and start learning the ongoing costs of home ownership by you transferring that responsibility on to them. Again, you're not asking them to pay you for it at that point, but at least pay for it through some point. At the end of the day, if you strategically plan your real estate portfolio, you're going to be able to live off of that as well and earn income off of that. And ultimately that's all going to end up to your family anyways. So why not start doing it while you're alive and start creating something for them that will give them a start in life uh, as soon as they're ready to enter that market. I know in the past we've talked on the show, Faisal, about partnering with other people to buy real estate. Is that a viable thing for young people? If you've got one or two really good friends and you all have a little bit of money, would you recommend going in together on a house? Absolutely. I, I talk a lot about multi-level partnering in my book as well. And, and it's from my own life experience, myself and two friends of mine, we had just finished high school and we had seen an opportunity to buy a triplex. And what we did was we pooled whatever little money that we had together and uh, we got the seller to give us a vendor take back. We partnered up and that was our start. That was the first property we bought. I couldn't buy a property individually and my friends couldn't buy one individually. Fortunately, we were still living at home and we were able to pool whatever resources we had together and buy that first property. What that property enabled us to do was create some sort of equity that later on in life, uh, we were able to extract that to buy individual properties for ourselves, pay for we each got married at some point, we paid for our weddings from that property, and we've been able to extract funds from that property over the years. And again, there's another uh, formula that I use, which is 20 plus 20, which is 20% down with 20 year amortization allows you to create a very good and healthy portfolio using the bank's money and using very little money down and having rental income to pay down that debt. And again, I, I write about this in my book as well, because that's a very simple formula and it just works, especially right, right now with the amount of uh, increase in value, uh, we're seeing returns like we've never seen before. So we're not just getting your typical five or 7% return on your money. But yes, partnering with other people allows you to do a lot more, allows you to diversify and allows you to spread the risk as well. So you're not putting all your eggs in one basket. And how would young people go about actually starting uh, something like that? And are there any pitfalls they should watch out for? 
Well, you always want to be careful on who you are partnering with. You want like-minded people who have the same goals and objectives as you do. You don't want to, to partner with somebody who has a short timeline and says, well, I need my money back in six months or I need my money back in a year. You have to understand real estate is a long marathon. You've got to take your time. You've got to time your exit. You've got to time your entrance, but you've got to be in it for the long run because that's where you're going to truly benefit. Uh, so finding people who are in a position like you are, I'm not suggesting, although that might be an option, moving in with someone that you haven't really lived with before, because sometimes that doesn't really work out. But it, as a first step, you may just want to pool your money together to buy a property so that you can rent it out and start enjoying the appreciation that the market is giving you right now. So the best thing for uh, people looking to do that would be to get in touch with, uh, oh, I don't know, uh, a really great real estate uh, person, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm happy to guide anyone that needs some recommendations. All right. Well, as we promised at the start of the show, we're going to be talking about some of the chapters in your book. And again, I have a copy of it here. Uh, the Real Deal, available on Amazon as a book and also an audio book. And uh, as we are touching today on, you know, things about youth and, and getting young people into the real estate market, uh, I thought we'd touch on some of the topics that are the chapters rather that are really for them. And First thing that comes to mind, it seems like such a simple question. Why build wealth? Well, I don't know, so we can get stuff. But what are some of the other reasons to build wealth? Well, building wealth is to get to a point where you are comfortable in life, where you can replace your day-to-day -day income, should you ever have to or want to, with passive income. And wealth creates that opportunity for you by... And for me, the definition of creating that wealth is having passive income. How do you go about that? And that's one of the formulas, that 20 to 20 formula that I speak about. When you are younger, and even if you're not young at this point, but when you can start investing up to 20% of what you are earning back into real estate market so that you can start creating a portfolio for yourself. Put 20% down because on investment properties, that's the number. You have to have 20% in order to buy an investment property without going through private lenders and all of that and keeping it reasonable on a payment level. Amortize that property over 20 years. Yes, there will be a negative cash flow factor. And, you know, it always amuses me when people say, well, I'm only buying properties based on cash flow. Cash flow is great, but appreciation is way better. And cash flow has been trumped by appreciation in real estate values over the last 10 years. So don't get hung up on, oh, I'm going to be short $200 a month if I buy this property. Think about the 30 or 40 or $75,000 a year that that property is going up in value. So you're short $200 a month, that's $2,400 a year, but you just gained $50,000 in, in appreciation through equity on your property. So that's the reason you want to create a portfolio that gives you wealth. Welcome back to Ask the Experts. I'm Dave Callender and my guest is Faisal Susiwala. You've probably seen Faisal about town. I often see his face on billboards and the backs of buses. I also see it on this book that he uh, was gracious enough to give me. His book, of course, is called The Real Deal. 
and it's available on Amazon. We are talking about some of the topics, some of the chapters that are in the book today on the show. And if you want to get your copy, yes, go to Amazon. You can also get more information at homeshack.com or by calling him at 519-624-5555. Before the break, we were touching on the chapter called Why Create Wealth. Well, you know, so I can afford my Xbox and go on vacation. But there are lots of other great reasons, even better reasons. Yes. So, Dave, we were talking about investing, you know, 20% down on a property, amortizing it over 20 years to try to have that paid off. Now, depending on what age you are at, so if you're a 20 year old or a 25 year old, by the time that property is paid off, it'll be you'll be 45 years old, you're still very young. At that stage in life, what you want to do is continuing leveraging that property, extracting the equity in that property, especially these days right now where the values have gone up significantly, there's a ton of equity sitting in those properties. So extract that equity, reinvest it in other real estate forms so that you can run that cycle for another 20 years and continuously do that until you get to a point where you say, okay, you know what? I plan on retiring at the age of 70. If your idea is to retire at the age of 70 or 65, back out 20 years from that. And that's where you stop borrowing against your property. And now you focus on debt repayment so that it goes down to zero by the time you retire. And essentially what should happen is at that point, you're going to have enough rental income coming monthly that it will more than replace the earnings that you were getting from going to your job every day and whatever other expenses that you may have will get covered. The average townhome today rents for $2,400 per month. Imagine if you have five of those at the time of retirement today. You've got $12,500 almost per month coming in, which is a fantastic salary to be earning. And that's what I'm talking about. Why build wealth? Because you want to retire with passive income. And that's the creation of passive income through real estate. Keep leveraging your property. Keep extracting the equity until such time that you've got 20 years before retirement. And again, this could still apply to someone who is older. I have a 74-year-old investor who is still buying properties today, but he's not doing it for himself. He's doing it now to be able to leave something behind for his family and to give them the same opportunity to have that 20-year run. He'll pay it down as much as he can through the rent that he's collecting and then be able to leave that for his family moving forward. So it just depends on what your life goals are and what you plan on doing and what kind of legacy you want to leave behind for, for your survivors. So since you mentioned it, uh, we'll just skip skip to the chapter that is for older investors. I think that a lot of us, especially when we get into our 50s, we think we missed the boat, uh, that there's not really anything we can do to get started. But that chapter tends to tell us that that is wrong. Yeah, just as I said, imagine as a 70-year-old, if one had purchased a property last year this time, they would have rental income coming in. But beyond the rental income, which may be a break-even proposition for them, it'll be just cash flow neutral. You, whatever's coming in is paying down the debt, is paying the mortgage, is paying the taxes, 
you may even be out $100, $200 per month. But imagine that property today has gone up 30%. So if they paid $600,000 for that property a year ago today, that would have gone up $180,000 by today's date. Imagine if they sell that property today. So why invest even at the age of 70? Where does a 70-year-old get $180,000 return on their money on a very small percentage of their money? It's 20% that they had to put down. There's no, it's, it's so simple and it's so easy to do that it boggles my mind that people haven't caught on. They're catching on, but they haven't caught on at the simplicity of this type of investment. We get caught up in mutual funds and, and RSPs and RESPs and government programs and GICs, but just look at the home you live in and just consider the appreciation you've enjoyed in your own personal residence. Why not continuously duplicate that with many properties and keep getting that type of return over three, four, five, 10 properties over your lifetime. That will create a very, very healthy retirement, financial retirement for you, and leave something behind for your survivors as well. Faisal, in the past, I've certainly heard of, of investors who have either gotten rid of a property or passed by a really great property simply because they didn't think they were going to get enough rent. And for what I'm hearing from you, they're really kind of missing the point. Yeah, they are missing the point because they were passing up on an opportunity based on negative cash flow, thinking if I buy this property and I'm going to be down uh, $200 per month, I'm going to now be out of pocket $2,400 a year. So that doesn't make sense. I'm losing money on this property. What they're not taking into account or where they were not taking into account is the appreciation of that property. That property would have gone up from last year this time to this year, at least 30%. $600,000 property would have been worth $180,000 more this year. So yes, you would have lost $2,400 in negative cash flow, but you also left over $178,000 on the table that you could have been gaining through appreciation of the market. So those are really important things to take into consideration. Don't get caught up just on rate of return and cash flow. And I talk a lot about that in my book, that cash flow is not necessarily your friend. It's appreciation that's your friend. Another thing you mentioned in the book several places is the idea of from the time you get your first job, putting away 20% of your paycheck for investments. My question then is for young people today, they might tell you that is quite a challenge for them, especially starting out. If they can't put the 20% aside, is it okay to start putting 10 or 15? Anything you can put away is better than just blowing your money. Look, you have to get uncomfortable a little bit. You've got to give up some of those luxuries that you may be used to. Our parents, I can talk for myself, came to this country with absolutely zero. They didn't have vacations, new cars, eating out, going out on the weekend, none of that was possible. They had to live very uncomfortably for many, many years to enjoy the comfort later on in life. And unfortunately, the environment today is of instant gratification, want, 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 need, 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 and not thinking about tomorrow. And I'm not saying that that's an awful thing about living for today, that's great. 
But if you really want to think about your future and be in a situation where you're comfortable down the road, then this is the time to get a little bit uncomfortable. Give up a few things that you may want to do for the things that you need to do. And saving is one of those things. And I, I'm quite sure I'm confident in saying that you're not trying to put the blame on young people today for not doing the things that you might have done. We kind of put them in this situation. They are in a totally different situation than we were in our generation. And I think that's why it's so important to take a look at the chapter, chapter 19, about financial literacy for our youth. When I was in high school, we didn't, we didn't cover it at all. Absolutely. And, and before we talk about that, I want, I, you're, to your point, I'm not coming down on young people at all. In fact, I sympathize with what's happening. To give you an example, in 1982, the average in household income was $38,000, and the average home in the region of Waterloo was just under $60,000. So let's call it one and a half times the value of your income was the value of a home. Today, the average household income is just under $90,000, and the region of Waterloo house uh, value of home is averaging close to a million dollars. So almost 10 times the income. So no, it's not easy for young people today. And that segues into the financial literacy part. If young people in high school, look, there's, there's a place for calculus and there's a place for all of the maths and English and history and engineering and electrical and whatever you're going to take in school, there's a place for all of that. But there's got to be an important place for financial literacy. Simple finances, how a mortgage is paid, how much interest you pay when you take out a loan, what credit card debt means to you, what leasing a vehicle is going to end up costing you in the long run. What putting your vacation on your credit card is going to cost you? What happens when you, uh, you know, buy something and don't pay a cent event? Well, here's what's going to happen. All of that's going to start adding up and you're going to be further and further in debt. You're getting the gra uh, gratification of having what you want now, but you're going to be paying for it for a long, long, long time. And that's where just being educated is so important because marketing is designed in a way to make it look really sexy to have all these things now for a very, very low payment. But what you're not realizing is you're signing yourself up for a lifetime of debt and you will never be able to dig yourself out of that unless you inform yourself on the true cost of what you're about to enter into. And schools need to have this as part of their curriculum. And I understand that there is some movement towards that. I don't know if the high schools are teaching that. I certainly have tried my best. I've gotten my book into a couple of high schools uh, in their business classes to distribute to the students so that they can read that chapter specifically about financial literacy and learn about the importance of compound interest, the importance of investing, the importance of paying down, paying down debt, and the importance of getting your money working for you. And real estate obviously is the sector that I'm involved in. That's what I always recommend to young people is get your money into that. I have to admit that I'm also not on, up on what's being taught in high schools these days. I have heard that financial literacy is over the you know past 10 years has started to be more of a, a major topic. 
But I guess a good idea is for parents to have that conversation with their kids and ask them, what are you being taught? Exactly. And to involve your children in the financial literacy at school is one thing, but financial literacy can start at home. And as a parent, it's your duty and obligation to sit your child down and say, hey, you know this house that you live in? Here are the operating costs. Here's how much money I have to make. Here's how much money the government takes from me. Here's what's left over. And this is what I have to make do with every single month to be able to put food and shelter and fuel your car and, and, and pay for your education because it's not going to be that long down the road that that child is going to have to do that as well. And if they enter the world without that knowledge, they're going to be really lost. As much as it was difficult for myself growing up in, in, a, in a situation where we were not very well off and it was very difficult and there was not a lot of disposable income, I credit my parents to educating us on the hardships that were, they were facing each month so that we could realize, you know, when we went to the store to buy a pair of shoes, um, we were calculating how much per hour my parents would have to earn in order to pay for those pair of shoes. And that really put into perspective whether I was going to buy that, you know, expensive Nike or if I'm going to go with the no-name brand. And again, you have to take a step back if you want to get ahead in life. And that's a very important lesson that children need to learn today, that wanting now and feeling that they're entitled to something now is only going to put them further behind in life if they don't start considering the costs of what they're about to do. Thanks so much for joining us today on Ask the Experts. My guest, Faisal Suziwala, is with us. Faisal is Canada's top real estate agent with Remax Twin City Realty, and you can contact him at 519-624-5555. And online, you'll find his website at homeshack.com. This hour, we've been talking a lot about uh, financial literacy for youth, young people getting into the real estate market, and really, the book, which I will show one more time, uh, The Real Deal, is the story of you doing exactly that, you getting into real estate at a young age. In fact, the first chapter is called, I was a teenage real estate agent. So yeah. Faisal, what, what made you want to tell everyone your story and, and what was it like back then? I'm often asked, you know, to talk about my journey, talk about my systems, um, and also talk to a lot of young people who may be struggling because uh, it's not easy out there for young people and we realize what's going on and, and, and the challenges that they face. Uh, I was a young person at one time at 18 years of age, not really knowing which direction to go into, what I wanted out of life, what kind of career I wanted. I knew I wanted a better life than my parents were able to have. And one of the reasons we came to this country was to get educated so that we could live a better life and not have to work in a factory perhaps and just, just build a, a better life for our children as well. Uh, I was in high school. I was ready to go to University of Waterloo. I uh, had been accepted at Laurier as well. And I decided, no, I'm going to get into real estate because I was passionate about that sector of the market is investing. And I want to learn about how one invests money, how one builds wealth. At a very young age, I wanted to learn about that. And I saw an infomercial that prompted my curiosity and I decided to take a real estate course, not even knowing that I was going to become a licensed agent after the course. 
when I graduated, I had uh, fr from my six weeks of real estate school, I had a license. And that uh, led me down this journey of real estate. Now I had some struggles. At the age of 19, I had to file bankruptcy because the recession hit. I had just invested money along with foreign investors and the market went down 35%. A great important lesson to learn at a very early age, how to handle that kind of adversity and how to survive that. Uh, you know, a lot of people go through those types of things and never come out of that. And at a young age, I was able to realize the mistakes that were made. And of course, that was not necessarily a mistake that I made. It was the market, but I was part of that market. From that, I, I decided that I'm going to make sure that I don't ever put myself in the position where I'm going to be affected or leveraged so high that I'm unable to crawl myself out of that. And that gave me a very thoughtful investment mind whereby I spread my risk with partnering with people, creating uh, investment groups, participating in many different projects as opposed to putting all my eggs in one basket, uh, investing in rental properties, investing in land, investing. But all I did throughout my career was take 20% of my income, put it aside and reinvest that. By doing so, Yes, I had to give up a lot of luxuries in life and whatnot, but at 19 years old, you know, that's the time to give those things up and create, create your wealth at a very early age or start on that journey to create your wealth at a very early age. By investing wisely, by getting the appreciation on those properties and leveraging those properties to reinvest, I was able to start slowly building up an investment portfolio. And that's Essentially, what I talk about in the book is when you're young, there are a lot of opportunities that will come your way. Grasp the one that you're passionate about, follow that, and you, you will do well if you enjoy what you're doing. I still wake up 33 years later in this business looking forward to each day because I love what I do. And it doesn't feel like work at that point. And that's where I'm saying to young people, don't try to fit inside this box that, you know, perhaps your parents have thought you should be a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer. And that's what my parents thought I should have been. They were extremely disappointed when I came home and said, I'm not going to go to university. I'm going to become a real estate agent. That was not what my parents wanted to hear. But being passionate about it, I don't care what you decide you want to do in your life. If you're passionate about it, you're going to do well at that. You were also very lucky in that early on, you had an incredibly great mentor. And in fact, the second chapter is called Working with Mr. Maneri. Talk to us a little bit about the importance of finding a good mentor. Reed Maneri was an angel. He was a godsend for me. I went to the local Century 21 office and I was turned down and I was waiting for the bus because I didn't have a car at the time. I was probably the first real estate agent in, in the world that does not have a vehicle. And uh, as I was waiting for the bus, I remembered Mr. Maneri's office was just across the street. I went up and I asked him if he would consider hiring me. He was 74 years old. I was 18. He was about to shut his office down and he said, you know what? I'll stay open for another six months and I will help you with your career. He mentored me. He taught me ethics. He taught me to do a good job and not think about the money because the money will automatically come if you do a good job. And at the end of the day, 
just being mentored by someone who has good core values and has an ethical heart when it comes to dealing with people. I would listen to Mr. Maneri talk people out of buying a home. It would have been easy for him just to sell the home. The, the, the young couple that was looking at the home loved with that house. They wanted to buy that house, but he could identify certain things that he just didn't think was right for them. And he would convince them not to. And that, you know, when you're young and you're impressionable, uh, those are the times that you pick up the habits of the people that are mentoring you. So choose the right people, read the right books, listen to the right audio, get coached by people and be mentored by people that you strive to be like. Don't follow the trends. Don't follow the slickness that you see out there. Go with quality individuals that are able to hold your hand and guide you properly. And I think that's one of the main reasons you decided to write the book. Uh, so picking up the book is a great first start for young people, but are there any other resources you know of that if someone's looking for a mentor in real estate, they could try? I would, I would suggest that look around you, see who is doing good in their communities. And it doesn't matter where you live. Look at the people that are doing good in their communities. Look at the people that are supporting their communities and align yourself through references people that your family have worked with that have done a good job uh, for them and have done right by them. Those are the right people to align yourself with because they're going to take care of you just like they did your other friends. So that's important. Um, you know, read. There's so many resources available on YouTube. You can Google so many different things right now where you can get a full education on almost any topic. So take advantage of the resources. Uh, you, could, you could watch TikTok videos or you could watch educational videos on YouTube and learn a lot about investing in real estate, learning about real estate, uh, even if you're wanting to get into the business. You know, these are all available resources online. So take advantage of that and, and, and set the trajectory of your life the way you want to live and the way you want to uh, create that passion for yourself so that you will be successful. My um, guest this hour on Ask the Experts, we've been speaking with Faisal Susiwala of Remax Twin City. Faisal, thanks so much for being with us once again. Always a pleasure, Dave. Thank you for having me on.